Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. So tonight, we're going to jump into Scripture together. And as we unpacked some last week, we talked about the fact that Acts is actually not a book. We call it a book, but it was a letter, right? But it's also a historical account, It's a historical account of how the Lord sent the Holy Spirit and His power to the followers of Jesus and how amazing that was. And then also an account of how the Lord decided to begin and start and grow the global Big C Church, okay? And with that historical account, I'm actually going to throw a little wrench in it. And tonight we're going to jump quite a few chapters over. We're going to jump to the middle of Acts because there's a passage in the middle of Acts that's literally, it's decades, historically decades from the time that the Lord sent the Holy Spirit. Here we are decades later, and I want you to read what question is being arisen, which is the exact same question as many of you brought up, even after service last week, last Thursday night. Some of you found me on Sunday asking similar questions. And I wanna read it with you right now. Look in Acts 19, starting in verse one. Scripture says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. That's where we get the book or the letter to the Ephesians, right? There he found some disciples. So he found followers of Jesus and he asked them, similar to what I asked you last week, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And look at their answer. It's so similar to what so many of you responded with this past week. They answered, well, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit, right? And so here we are decades after the Lord sent the Holy Spirit and people are still scratching their heads and going, man, we didn't even know. We didn't know. And so tonight with that in mind, I want to unpack a lot of the questions that I got asked this past week. It's, it's interesting because we're, we're going to dive into Scripture, but not in the detail that I thought because we're still needing to lay this foundation. Why? Because so many are just like that Scripture. We didn't even know. We didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. So tonight we're going to unpack who He is. He. He is a person. He is not an it. He is a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. We're going to unpack who he is and a little more of his nature. Because what I found is that he's been misrepresented by a lot of different groups of individuals. And I don't know if you have been like me and maybe, maybe you've been misrepresented in situations, misrepresented to other individuals. It made me think about college. How many of you have ever had roommates before? How many of you ever had interesting college roommates? And because this is online, all my college roommates were perfect. I love you all. Call me. 
I had some really amazing roommates in college, and uh, I also had some interesting roommates. And and I, I'm trying to think of even today. I was thinking of some some peculiar characteristics that some had. Uh, I had one roommate that was such a clean freak. Now I like things neat and I like things clean, but then there's like that person that goes to the next level. You know what I'm talking about? I had a roommate, love her, love her, love her. I had a roommate that used to fold her dirty clothes before she put them in the dirty clothes hamper. You got a lot of time on your hands. Okay, okay. I had another roommate that, and this I kind of understand a little bit better. She used to put things in packages where they didn't belong. Okay, so like she would take like salt-free rice cakes. Dear Lord, like who eats this? I think I'd rather just not eat, right? So no one in their right minds is touching this, right? But what we found was she was hiding the good stuff. Y'all know you do this to your kids. You know you do. And like, I'm not even kidding. Like beet chips, this is some nastiness. We opened this in my office and Amber and I were like, whoo, glory, light a candle. But like straight up would have chocolate hidden in the beet chips. Because no one is going for this, right? Why am I telling you this? Because so many of us have been sold this false packaging of the Holy Spirit. And tonight, in unpacking some of his nature and who he is, I want to give you four principles about the Holy Spirit that are really basic, but I think they're going to help you to understand a little bit more about him and desire more of him in your life. And the first one is exactly that. He is not the packaging. He is not the packaging that you've been sold, and that's your first blank in case you're taking notes, he is not the packaging that you've been sold. Some of you have been told that to encounter the Holy Spirit, to experience him, you gotta swing from some chandeliers. Well, you know what, you're free tonight because we took them all down. (laughs) Ain't no chandeliers here. Maybe you were told you have to act like some sort of wacko and figure out snakes. You are safe there. I don't do snakes. Okay. But I I want you to realize that he is not the packaging that you've been sold. Some of you have been uh, given this image of who the Holy Spirit is, and I want you to know tonight that I believe the Lord is going to release you from all those preconceived notions about what He is going to do and, and what He should do and what He can do, all of those things. But part of it, I feel like, is even the name that some of our amazing translators have given Him in Scripture. Because some of you hear Holy Ghost, and you're like, yeah, no, I don't do ghosts. (laughs) And I'm with you, right? 
Like that sounds kind of scary, but I want to unpack that for you tonight. And, and it's going to, I'm going to have to unpack it in a kind of a detailed way. Is that okay? So when you look at scripture, some of you may or might, may not know that the Bible wasn't written in English. Okay. So when somebody tries to sell you this idea that you can and should only read the King James Version, well, it wasn't written in English in the first place. So that doesn't really make sense, right? If you're going to argue that, then go learn Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, right? You need to go learn those original languages. And so, but when you look at our amazing translators that translated his name into Holy Ghost, I want to explain to you why I believe that's the case and then also why I believe it doesn't necessarily serve us well, right? Because we all have, we tend to have a negative connotation with that term ghost. So if you look in scripture, the term for the Holy Spirit is used over 800 times. Over 800 times, and in the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, that's written in Hebrew. And if you look in your notes, I've got there that word that we translate as Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. In Hebrew, it's Ruach. You see, I actually spit. You'd be so proud, see? That's, that's how you pronounce it, right? If you're doing it properly, Ms. Roberta will tell you, you have to pretend you have a hairball or popcorn stuck in the back of your throat, right? Ruach. <laughs> Let's put that on the teaser. Come to Women's Bible Study. <laughs> yeah. Yay! <laughs> so the term used for Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is ruach. And the definition, the literal definition of that term is a wind, breath, a violent exhalation, a blast of breath. It's used in Genesis 1 verse 2. Scripture says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit, the ruach of God, was hovering over the waters. In the New Testament, in the Greek, we find that the word used is pneuma. Pneuma, the P is silent. And in an exact same phrasing, that literal definition is a current of air or a blast of breath, a strong breeze, not a ghost. But look at it. I want you to see a few places in the New Testament that it's used. Again, it's used over and over and over and over, but Acts 1 Verse four, we read it last week. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. 
For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Pneuma, the Holy Spirit. John 6, I love the way verse 63 articulates it. It is the Pneuma, the Spirit, who gives life. He is life-giving. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit. Every word that Jesus spoke was the literal breath of God. And it always brings life. Always. But now you see the dilemma. The translator said, whoa, whoa, wait, we, we can't put the Father, the Son, and the Holy Breath, right? And so they said, well, it's, it's wind, it's a violent exhalation. It's, what, what do we call that? Well, maybe, maybe a ghost, but you see how, I, I don't think that term serves us very well. So, so they landed on spirit in the newer versions. Spirit of God. Why do I tell you that? Friends, he's not the packaging that you've been sold. The Holy Spirit of God is nothing that you ever have to be afraid of. Nothing that you ever have to fear. Nothing that you ever have to dread. Nothing that you ever have to worry about or be terrified of. He is life. <sighs> the breath of God. He is not the packaging. Tonight we're going to take off that packaging. All those preconceived notions that we've been sold about the Holy Spirit. Number one, he's not the packaging. Number two, he is not predictable. And some of you, that makes you nervous already. Ooh. He is not predictable. God has very specific attributes that we know in Scripture that remain unchanging. But the way he does it isn't always the same. And that can be really frustrating, right? Because so many of us, myself included, I want the roadmap and the GPS. I want to know the destination. And when I'm arriving, I want to know what I'm wearing when I'm arriving and then what I'm changing into after I get there. <laughs> Come on. Anybody with me? Yeah. All right, Lord, you got you to gotta point it out. That's not the way the Lord works. And those of us who love that type of understanding and knowing order, oh, he likes to mess us up real good. <laughs> Why? Why does God operate that way? Well, I believe that the Holy Spirit is unpredictable because if he operated in the exact same way all the time, we would tend to worship the order, worship the system, worship the formula instead of worshiping him. And it's so important, friends, that you understand that just because God did it that way in you does not mean he's going to do it that way in the woman you're praying with. For instance, 
Moses encountered God with a burning bush. But what if he assumed that that was the only way that God could speak to people? And when he went to his people that God had called him to lead, what if he'd gone to them and said, you got to go find a bush. You got to find a bush and you got to stare at it for a long time. And if that thing doesn't catch fire, then you ain't hearing from God. But friends, we do that all the time. We do it all the time. This is exactly how God's going to do it in you because this is how he did it in me. No! He is unpredictable. And he knows the girl next to you better than you could ever know her, better than she knows herself. And he knows exactly how and where and when and in what way he needs to meet her. Aren't you glad for that? Oh, I'm so glad. So glad for that. Scripture says in John 3, 8, Jesus answered and said, the wind, this is the same word pneuma, so underline it. The same word, the wind, the breath, the spirit. It's so interesting that the translators decided to use the actual word wind here, but not in the other places, because they just want to help us out, right? The wind, the spirit blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Same word again. Friends, I, I look at scripture and I see over and over Jesus constantly changing things up. I see his spirit changing things up with every single individual to keep people on their toes, to make sure that their eyes are on him and not the system, to make sure their eyes are on him and not the person next to them to see how God did it in them and then expect the exact same thing. It's for that reason that I believe Jesus did raise Lazarus from the dead on the third day the way everybody expected, right? He waited to the fourth. Unpredictable. It's the reason I believe while, why the Lord chose the prostitute Rahab to be a part of the actual lineage of Jesus. Unpredictable. It's the reason I believe the Lord has such a sense of humor to have a little blonde, nose ring, tattooed preacher from Georgia <laughs> called to Tacoma, Washington and plants her in Parkland. <laughs> and when she goes home and people are like, why do you live there? The weather, man, we watch. We watch on the weather app. How do you do it? I go, because the Holy Spirit's called me there. I love it. I have to be there. I can't not do it because I'm miserable anywhere else. Because it's where the Lord has me. He is unpredictable. And it's just like what we talked about on Sunday, that river in Ezekiel, when we're willing to go all in and let go and allow the river, allow the Holy Spirit, allow His wind, His breath to lead and guide us. Oh, we're in exactly the place 
that he desires. Unpredictable. Well, I want you to think too, some of you I can hear, there are times that I just hear even your, your frustrations or your thoughts that are rattling through your head because they've rattled through my head before as well. Some of you are like, mm, Pastor Ashley, that's just not normal. Friends, can I tell you that I am so sick of normal? When normal is an actual news post about a pastor with children committing suicide, I don't want normal. When normal is watching people that both love the Lord walk through divorce, I don't want normal. When normal is us praying for people and they're not healed, I don't want normal. And friends, you're not called to normal. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are called to more. We talked about it last week. You're called to bigger than just you. And you cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. Not in its fullness. I'm not talking about being saved. That is all Jesus. That is all him. I'm talking about you walking in the fullness of your assignment. And you cannot do it without him. And that's point three. So we have he's not the packaging. He is not predictable. Number three, but he is power. He is power. And this is not power that's, hey, I'm awesome power. It is, hey, I got an assignment. I need power. And that's what Acts unpacks for us. Look, Acts 1, verse 8. Scripture says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I've been praying about how to unpack this for you today. And I thought the easiest way would be to tell you a little bit about my journey with the Holy Spirit. Because I grew up in a church that taught the Holy Spirit in his fullness. We talked about gifts of the Spirit. I was taught all of those things, but I was very nervous about the Holy Spirit. Very nervous. Some of it was a little bit of the packaging. Some people got a little weird. I didn't want to be that person doing that at the altar, whatever. And I had this preconceived notion in my mind, right, that I was going to have to do whatever, what, again, not the packaging. And so I remember being at church camp. Friends, if, number one, if you don't have your kids involved in kids' church and your version of youth group, here it's called Student Nation, it's imperative. Imperative. They need more than just hearing it from you. That's super important. But I, can I tell you that my life changed radically in youth services and youth camp. And I remember I had this incredible experience with the Holy Spirit one night at an altar at youth camp. And in that experience, I had a nudge well, like that, maybe. 
a little more than a nudge. <laughs> you guys are awesome. I had that inkling to speak in other tongues, and we're going to talk about that in the next couple weeks. But in my head, I fought it and argued because I thought in some way it was going to be like someone else taking over my body and, and I, I didn't have control. That's, that's not my experience, friend. And so in that moment, because of the way my brain works, I'm very cerebral even about my emotions. And so I start going, I'm only hearing this in my head because I've heard people pray this, right? And I've heard people pray like this, and so this is not the Holy Spirit. This is, and I'm rationalizing, right? Rationalizing. And so I just jump. Not physically, spiritually. And I start praying in these phrases that I don't know, and it's weird. It's not normal. And I'm weeping. And all I can tell you is that it felt like, and this is going to sound bizarre, it felt like someone was pouring liquid love into my soul. And I got up from the altar that night and I knew my life was changed, but then I went home from camp and doubt, right? Man, that wasn't the Holy Spirit. No, I wasn't really, I didn't experience him that way. And no, that wasn't him. Blah, blah, blah. Doubt, 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 doubt. And that went on, sad to say, for about a year. To the point where if I knew a church was going to talk about the Holy Spirit, I avoided those places, those sermons, all of it. And I was visiting my sister at her church in Gainesville, Georgia. And I think I was a senior in high school at that point. And I sat down in the balcony of that church, miserable, because I'd tasted and seen. I had experienced some of what it felt like to be in his presence in a new level. To open myself up to some of what he had to allow him to fill me in that new way. And it was bizarre and I didn't understand it, but I was miserable without it. And I remember the pastor, I don't remember any part of the sermon, but I do remember he opened up with Holy Spirit and immediately, tears start flowing down my face. Lord, I don't want to battle this doubt anymore. God, I want every single thing that you have for me. If I look like an idiot, Lord, I am desperate for whatever you have. And I cried the entire sermon, sitting in the balcony, just tears flowing down my face. And I was telling the circle leaders during huddle, it was so funny because again, the Lord's so unpredictable and, and, and I think he has a lot of fun with me. <laughs> and I was sitting in the balcony and I, and I said, Lord, the second he gives the altar call, I'm running, I'm running 
down these stairs. I'm running to that altar because I'm so tired of doing life without feeling your presence that real. And he opened the altar call with, I want to start with just calling the men forward. Lord! And in that moment, I started getting in my head again. Well, maybe I need to find a specific person that's really, really strong in the Holy Spirit to pray over me. And maybe if they put their hands on me, then maybe, right? I'm calculating. Why? Because it's the way I'd seen it done. And I thought, oh, well, he's predictable. No, no, no. And he gave the open altar call and I took off running to the altar. And the pastor's mom, amazing woman of God, and I'll never forget this, she was standing at the bottom and I, I thought, if anybody can pray the Holy Spirit on me, she can, right? And I ran straight to her. I probably pushed some people down in the process. <laughs> hey, desperate, right? And as soon as I got in front of her, she stopped and she put her hands down and she said, no child, I don't need to lay my hands on you. He's all over you breathe. And I just, in that moment, felt him so powerfully. And I remember laying on the ground. This doesn't have to be the way he moves for you. But I remember laying on the ground and it was like I had the most incredible blanket of love and peace and calm just wrapped around me. Friends, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to move because I was so scared that I wouldn't feel him the same. And when they started closing the service and I had to move, <laughs> guess what? He was with me. He was with me. And in that moment, the Lord started to give me boldness that I never had walked in before. I'd always loved the Lord. I always had a desire to teach. I always had, all of these things were there, but it was a newness in that courage, in that boldness, in that just hunger for everything that He is. And the Lord gave me this visual. And this is for someone here, and I don't know how well it's going to translate, so just work with me. Some of you are a lot like me in that you love the Lord. You love Him, and you're doing life in the best way you can. And some of you are navigating rapids and you're trying to figure out, yeah, Lord, I, okay, I gotta, I gotta keep my family together. I gotta, I, gotta keep, I gotta keep my marriage together, Lord. I gotta work the extra hours because I really need, I really need to make sure that the bills get paid. In the, and Lord, I, I gotta, I, whoa, there's a current, okay. Well, Lord, no, I'm fighting this. And so I'll, I'll, I'll worship you in a, in a minute, but I, I have to navigate this in this moment. 
and you're wrestling and you're fighting and you're trying to do it all in your strength. And David's going to help me here because what the Lord showed me was that so many of us need to understand that he hasn't called us to paddle our way through life. Because what you may or may not understand, what you may or may not know, is that because of who he is and because of how he's created us, we all have a sail inside of us. That sail exists in our soul. And the moment we are open to what the Lord has for us, the moment we are willing to lift our sail and say, you know what, Lord? Whichever way you wanna take me, and He in that wind, He in that breath, now is guiding your boat in a way that you could have never dreamed. And you have a peace and a power and a strength, friend, that is guiding your life in the power that you could never attain rowing yourself. And that's what I want you to see here today. He is the Holy Spirit. He is the breath and the life. He is that wind. There's a reason on the day of Pentecost that they heard a mighty rushing wind because He is the breath of God Himself. And if we're willing to open up to Him, to what He has for us, He will guide us, He will direct us, He will steer us. Hey, some of the places may be unpredictable. He may move you from sunny Los Angeles into Tacoma, Washington. But if you're open, then you can't miss Him because He's steering. He's steering. He is power. I have one more point and then I'm going to tell you how. He is not the packaging. He, oh, thank you, Lord, is not predictable. <laughs> he is power. And the last point in your notes, He is perpetual. He is perpetual. What do you mean, Pastor Ashley? It means that this baptism in the Holy Spirit is to be continual. It is not a one-time thing. It's not just one gust of wind and then, oh, you're here, you've arrived. If you have breath in your lungs, then He still has places for you. He still has more for you. He still has assignments for you. He is perpetual. And we see this throughout Scripture. Look at Acts 13 and verse 54. Scripture says, and the disciples were continually filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Some of you have experienced Him. 
But maybe it's been too long. Maybe you dropped your sails because you thought you'd arrived. And he's saying, friends, no, 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 there's more. Put the oar down. You don't have to row. No, 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 there's more. You, you let him guide you to this place and then th you said, whoop, okay, I think I'll sit here. And then you grab the oar. No, 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 no. There's more. Lift your sails. Look at Ephesians 5. In verse 17, scripture says, do not be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. So many of you are here tonight because you truly just wanna know what the will of God is for your life. And here's how you find out. I love how it starts. It says, do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Why does he start that way? Because friends, everything inside of you is dying for something that's not normal. So that craving for drugs or alcohol or whatever your fix is, that's because you're desiring more. You're desiring something that is supernatural. You're so over this natural everything. And he says, no, 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 don't turn to that. Don't turn to that. It is a craving, but it's a craving from me. Turn to who can fill it. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. His breath, His life, His continual. I'm gonna close with this. I was asked maybe 20 times this past week, Pastor Ashley, how? I want everything that you're talking about. I want more of him. How, how do I lift my sail? How do I allow him in, in such a powerful way? Number one, let go. Let go, let go of your fears. Let go of your need to fully understand everything and articulate it. Let go of your control, needing to know exactly how he'll move and when and wow. And no, 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 let go. Let go. Let go of the misconceptions. Let go of the boxes. Let go of all the packaging, all of it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Stop trying to figure it out in your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him. He's gonna guide you. He's gonna guide you. Just submit to Him. Let Him guide you. Jeremiah 29, we always like to quote that one, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. But I love the next two verses. We don't often quote them together. Then, now that you know my plans for you are good, now that you know that I am trustworthy, then you will call on me and come to pray with me and I'll listen to you because you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Some of you have given your heart away to other things and tonight you'll let go of that. We sometimes call it repenting. Repenting means that you let go of that and you turn. This is a churchy word for that. That's all. So you're gonna let go. Number two, you're gonna trust him. You gotta trust him with all your heart. 
not having to understand it. Trust that He is a good God that has great things for you. Luke 11, 13 says, if you, even though you're evil, <laughs> He knows us well, amen? Even though you're evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children. You want the best for your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those of you who ask Him? And that's the last point. Ask Him. Well, wait, isn't there a certain type of prayer and doesn't it have to look like this? No. Just ask Him. I'm going to close with this verse, Acts 2, and then we're going to sing for a second. Acts 2, verse 37 says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, meaning the Holy Spirit was dealing with their hearts. Some of you are in that place right now. Your heart is starting to turn. What does that mean? Well, some of you, it feels like your stomach, like you have butterflies. Some of you, your heart is pounding. You're a little bit nervous, and you think it's maybe anxiety. No, 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 it's not. That's the Holy Spirit just letting you know that you feel Him. That's Him. And it says, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other disciples, Brother, what should we do? They were asking how. <laughs> Peter replied, repent, <gasps> let go, and be baptized. What does that mean? Trust him in an outward way. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will, you can, if you're open to Him, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He is available to you. Pastor Ashley, does that mean that I'll be laid out in the floor? I don't know. It didn't always happen like that for me. But maybe it will. He is unpredictable. Verse 39. Someone needs to hear this. This is scripture. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, meaning in America, in Tacoma, in 2020, for all whom the Lord God, our God, will call. How do I know if I'm called, Pastor Ashley? You're here. You are not here by any coincidence. You are here because the Holy Spirit of God drew you. And you feel Him already. I asked the band, I threw them an audible tonight. Because I was praying this morning about, Lord, how do you, how do you wanna end this? I wanna give the ladies circle time, but I want a moment. I want a moment for the Lord to do whatever He wants to do. And it may be a quiet, reverent moment. It may be a loud moment. I don't know. I don't care. But in that moment, He gave me this song, this old song. And this old song, because of my studying this last month, became new. We sang it earlier. The song says, this is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Well, what's the air? Your holy presence living in me. 
This is my daily bread, meaning continual. This is what I need every day, Lord, not just a one-time experience. I need you over and over and over, and I need you new, and I need you fresh, and I need you today, not just what you did yesterday. Your very word spoken to me. We read that passage tonight. His words are breath, they're life. And I am desperate for you. I'm desperate for you. And I told the ladies in huddle, before you guys came in, I said, you know what? Most of us don't know what desperation looks like. Unless we've walked through addiction or if we've walked through a family member being severely sick, we don't necessarily know what desperation looks like. But I wonder tonight if we would be willing to ask the Lord to make us desperate for Him in a way that we literally want Him more than our breath. We want His breath to be the air we breathe. The band's gonna start singing. I'm gonna pray. And then I'm just gonna ask you to be bold. There's no one here that you need to impress, I promise. No one. But I wonder if in your own way you would allow the Holy Spirit just to have a moment with you. And you tell Him what you want. Maybe you just sing this song to Him. Maybe you just cry. Maybe you just listen. But I'm going to pray and I want you to come forward. If you want to stand, stand. If you want to kneel, kneel. If you want to lay, lay. I don't care. But let's sing to Him. Stand to your feet. Father, we just thank You, Lord. Thank You for Your Holy Spirit. Thank You, Lord, that You are breath, that You are life, that You are wind in our sails, Lord, that you are the refreshing that we need. Lord, you are our daily bread. You are exactly what we desire. Lord, we ask right now, as we sing this song, Lord, we ask that you would truly make us hungry for you in a way that we've never been hungry before. Lord, we want everything that you have for us, God. Everything that you have. And so, Lord, we ask you to move in whatever way you choose. We give every part of this moment to you in Jesus' name. Come forward, come forward. Come forward. Just make your way down, ladies. Nothing to be embarrassed about. If you want to stand, if you want to kneel, just get a moment with Him. Yeah, this is my daily bread. This is my daily bread. We need you, Lord. This is my daily bread. Your very word. Your very.
Yes, Lord, we are desperate for you, Lord. Hit Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church. 